Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. So we got Jory Alston with the Alston Group, and he flew in from Miami to share how he buys houses with no money down and zero interest, and also to defend his city's honor. Um, <laughs> Jamil, we're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, broker and owner of Stunning Homes Realty, founder of the OfferFast Homes app, the only, only MLS you'll need for off-market wholesale properties. And I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. So if you're interested in that, let's connect on Instagram. If you're excited for today's show, please give me a wave, give me a thumbs up. And as a friendly reminder, I don't charge a dime for this show. I don't make any money doing this. So here's all I ask. This is what it costs for you guys to listen to this show. If you get value today, please tell a friend. You can share this episode right now, tag a friend below, or tell me your best takeaway from the show later on. That way we can all grow together. And I'm still asking for all your help. I want to get to 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. I see you guys watching on YouTube and not subscribing. <laughs> so I'm going to be sending Liam Neeson over to your place if you guys don't get serious. <laughs> uh, don't forget, this is a live show, so please post your questions for Jory to answer. You ready? I'm ready, man. Definitely all ready. All right, all right. So what got you into real estate? Oh, man. Uh, 2005. I'm living in Miami. Um, of course, and I, I say this, everybody says this, but I actually did read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and change my mindset, right? So mm -hmm. that, was, that was basically one factor was I read that book, and from the day I read that book, my mindset has been changed completely in the way I looked at you know, money and life and everything in general. Um, but that was one factor. Another factor was uh, my dad, my biological dad, who I've only actually seen once in my whole life, oh. was doing mortgages and condo conversions in D.C. And we've had these spurts where it's like we talk a lot over the phone. Like we don't really talk that much we'll have spurts of time we do well during that little stretch then we were talking like all the time mm -hmm. he's telling me about real estate he's telling me you know you gotta get in real estate you gotta look into this look into that and so i think like without even knowing it i wanted to like you know get into it and like prove i could i could outdo him <laughs> in real estate you know so, <laughs> so without even knowing it, i just started digging deep 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 into that reading every book i could about real estate Ray rich dad poor dad how long ago was this this was in 05 2005 okay. the same year I met my wife. I got married on five, right? Mm -hmm. She got pregnant. So we have a baby coming. So it was like, I better do something quickly, you know, to take care of my wife, uh, my daughter coming, plus the two kids that, you know, she already had from previous marriage. So mm -hmm. it was like either get, you know, get it right now, do it, or, you know, end up, end up stuck. So yeah. the book, Necessity, and I was trying to prove, you know, to my biological dad, look, I can do this better than you can. It's yeah. pretty much, I think, how I got into it. Okay, so what was the first thing you, you did when you got into real estate? I got I got my license. So I got my real estate license in 07. Um, I wanted to get my license because I, I didn't want to be a realtor. I wanted to be an investor from the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. So my whole goal was to get my license, find REO properties off mark, you know, from brokers, right? Get my hands on them first, you know, buy them, fix them up, flip them. This was like 05, 06, 07. Yeah. You know, everything on TV was like it is now. Everybody's flipping their house. You know, it looks so easy. You know, I can do this, right? So... I got my license. Well, uh, rewind. We actually bought a house first. Me and my wife bought a house. We bought mm -hmm. a foreclosure that needed work. So our, our goal was to buy this house, you know, rehab this house. She's pregnant. So we're going to buy this house. You no, know, I'm at home. She's working at this, at this time. I'm not working at all. I'm uh, reading every book I can. I'm learning real estate. We buy this house. You know, she's working, but I know she has to start working soon because she's pregnant. Our goal was to rehab this house, you know, fix it up, then refinance it, pull out twenty five, thirty thousand. 30000 and then take that to go buy, you know, more homes to fix and flip. Yeah. Um, so that was the goal. So, you know, we were rehabbing the house pretty much by herself, me and a pregnant wife. Her cousins are helping out, you know, doing some electrical stuff. You know, we had a guy that came in some carpentry work, but that was pretty much, you know, our first, first, first deal. Um, my wife actually had to, had to leave her job midway between fixing this house up 
because of the pregnancy. Um, she was a high risk because of high blood pressure. Oh. So she actually had to come home. So we get the house done, we're trying to refinance it, and the bank says we can't refinance it because your wife, she doesn't have a job anymore, right? So we go okay. from, you know, we're about to get this house fixed, you know, the house is fixed up, we're gonna refinance, take that money out, because I don't have my license yet. I'm gonna take my test soon. You know, you know how it is, you get your license, it takes you, you know, a while to get. Uh, a few weeks to yeah. a couple months, yeah. Well, I was in a brand new town, so I knew nobody. Okay. So, I mean, I didn't know anyone in this town. Um, so for me getting to my first deal, I think it's probably take a few months, you know? So we get this whole thing with, you know, well, we're not going to refinance the house. So what do we do? You know, we start praying. <laughs> you know, we're praying, we're praying. We get a call like two days later. The bank says, you know, we, we looked at it. We see she was working. This is just a time off. You didn't get fired. Mm-hmm. We'll do the refinance. Oh, good. Right? So the refinance comes through. We get a lot less than what we had thought we were going to get. But it was enough to hold, hold us over until I got my first deal in, uh, as a realtor. Gotcha. Right. So, so that's so, how I got into it. So you got licensed in 2007. I got licensed in 07 at like the, the heat of the bubble, you know, thinking mm-hmm. I'm about to be this big fix and flipper guy. I'm about to go, you know, buy these homes from the banks, right? Because when I got my license, I went to a brokerage that specialized in REO properties, which is like real estate owned foreclosures, mm-hmm. right? So I went to this broker. His name is Mike Basitas. And I went to him. He just started a brokerage. But I was reading the paper looking for deals all the time, and he had the most deals. He had the most REO listings. So I go to him, and he has a brand new brokerage with like two agents, and he tells me, no way. <laughs> I'm not taking you on. I want no liability. I don't want any new agents. You know, I'm mm-hmm. good. I want my three or four agents. I'm going to build that way. And so I go home like, crap. You know, he, he, just, he just turned me down. He said, no. My wife's like, go, go back to him tomorrow. She's like, you've been reading books. You know what you're doing. You know, you don't need him to teach you. You teach yourself. Because one thing I do is I teach myself, you know, by reading or studying. Yeah. I'm a very good self, you know, self-learner. So I go back to him a few days later, you know, tell him I'm not leaving until, <laughs> until he lets me work for his brokerage. And I end up being able to work for him yeah. um, at his brokerage. And so what happens is I end up becoming his buyer's agent after like about a month because his, his main buyer's agent had a baby mm-hmm. and had to, had to quit working. So yeah. I'm in it now. I'm his buyer's agent in like the number one REO brokerage in West Michigan at the height of, you know, the housing bubble. So West Michigan. So you weren't in Florida yet? No, no. I mean, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. No. All right. So then at which point did you start wholesaling or do you, I mean, do you wholesale? I wholesale. Yeah, I I do wholesale. Um, I didn't start wholesaling until probably like 2015. Okay. Right. And I was in Michigan. I only moved to Miami in 2016. So okay. I was in Michigan from 07 to 2016. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So then when did you start? Transitioning to wholesaling? Mm-hmm. I transitioned to wholesaling by necessity. I was an REO buyer's agent. I was moving like probably 100 homes a year, right? From That's like really 2008, good. 2009, 2010, 2011. The, the market crashed, but investors had a ton of money still, mm-hmm. right? They had a ton of money. In the beginning of the crash, there were still lines of credit you could get. You could still get, you know, loans. And that was for, like, the first four years, from, like, 2008 to, like, 2011. So during that time, you know, my broker has the most REO listings out there, right? And I'm a go-getter. I get up in the morning. I'm on the MLS all day long. I'm tying up the homes in MLS. I basically was wholesome. I didn't even know what I was doing. I would tie up the MLS before I even had a buyer. Mm-hmm. But I knew what my buyers wanted, right? So, right. <laughs> so I'd tie them up because you had, you had to then. I mean, it was a lot of competition going mm-hmm. for these deals. So you had to go on the MLS basically send the offer over before you even saw it off the pictures, know what the numbers are. Absolutely. Right. Then go look at it and, you know, do what you have to do after that. So I'm doing this for, you know, three, four years and killing it. And I'm just killing it. Then the market like slowed down to like nothing was moving at all. Right. Yeah. There was nothing moving because no one could get money. 
uh, guys who had lines of credit, their lines of credit got called from the banks. Mm-hmm. You couldn't get them. Like the credit market freeze, it was frozen, right? So for like a year or two, like I couldn't do anything. I was selling like three, four homes, maybe, you know, um, a quarter. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was rough. Right. We actually moved to Hawaii for six months. My <laughs> wife, My wife took a travel job. She was a surgical technician. She took a travel job in Hawaii for five months mm-hmm. just to give me a break. She's like, I can tell you're stressed out. You know, nothing's happening right now. Let's just go to Hawaii. So that was actually an amazing time for me to be in Hawaii. Sounds like months. an amazing time. You know, um, when I got back from Hawaii, the market started picking up a little bit, but you couldn't really find, like you could find something in MLS, but when, when buyers started coming back into the market, and most of you in West Michigan was hedge funds. So local guys, we'd make an offer on the property, let's say for 30 grand it would get bid up to about $50,000 and a hedge fund would come in with that offer and mm-hmm. no one could compete with the hedge funds, no, right? No, one could. And we're thinking, you know, why are they buying this house for 50 grand <laughs> when nothing's moving? You know, that's like 20 grand over the price. Well, hedge funds came in, they buy it up, they rent them out, then they do what they do, they sell them off. Um, mm-hmm. that's yeah, the they whole, drove the market that's the whole game. They drove the market by themselves, mm-hmm. you know, basically. The local guys couldn't compete with that, right? So. Because of that, I started looking for houses off market. It was necessity. I couldn't find anything on the market anymore, right? So by necessity, I had to I had to find stuff off market, and then I ended up becoming a wholesaler. Yeah. Or wholesaling houses. Okay. So as you made the transition, how did you find these off market properties? At first, it was more like word of mouth. You know, I wasn't even doing any marketing. It was more like you know, I know this investor has some deals. I'm gonna go approach this investor, and say, hey, you have anything you want to sell? Right? I had a buyer. I knew other investors, so I, I would just kind of go out there and look for them. Um, also, because and I was selling so many homes to investors, you know, when MLS was blowing up, I had a lot of investors who just come to me and say, hey, Jory, I have a deal. If you have a buyer for it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, add on your price to it. And, you know, here's the price. So a lot of it was just basically word of mouth. Yeah. I got into like wholesaling, wholesaling, actually from an investor from Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> Dude, I did a lot of stuff for guys from Phoenix, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. This investor came to Grand Rapids and he was wholesaling out here. And he yeah. wanted to wholesale in Grand Rapids because he knew the market. So the way it happened was we kind of partnered. He was doing all the, all the marketing. Well, I worked for him at first. He was mm-hmm. doing all the marketing, and I was handling all the appointments. I basically yeah. was the acquisition manager because that's already what I was doing anyway as a realtor. And I couldn't find enough deals in the MLS or off-market you know, for my investors. So when he came in, it was like, okay, this, this fits perfectly. You're going to market. All I have to do is go lock the deal up and then sell it to my buyers. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, that, that makes complete sense. So that's how I started. I started off like that. He was marketing. I was just going closing the deals, the appointments, and selling them to basically my buyers already had. Is he still in business? Not there. Okay. <laughs> that, I don't know. I haven't talked to him. I haven't talked to him about a year. Okay. We actually ended up, you know, parting ways, and then I started my own operation. And gotcha. Um, he still lives in Arizona. So. So then, when did you start doing the no money, you know, seller carry? I got into that. I've been blessed that a lot of my investors. Um, are big time guys you would never know about. They're not on social media. You know, they, they were young guys. I mean, my, one of my investors was like 23. I'm like 27. This guy has like 100 homes. You know, yeah. he's moving tons of homes. So 23 year old with 100 homes. 23, 24 years old. Yeah, moving. Dang. Yeah, like a lot of homes. Yeah. <laughs> These are guys who were buying homes since they were like 17, 18 years old. You know, it's like their dad bought homes. They taught them how to buy homes. Mm-hmm. You know, I never saw that. Like when I got in real estate, you know, I, I got into it from reading, but no one ever told me, you know, go buy a house, rent it out. I mean, where I come from, I mean, you don't see that. You know, right. everybody's rent, they're a renter. They don't teach you that in school. Mm-hmm. I'm meeting guys who like, this is what they've been doing, you know, since they were teenagers. Pretty much <laughs> when they were walking. Yeah, and, and they have a, a vast wealth of knowledge, right? So yeah. when the market is very, is, when the market goes down, right, seller financing becomes very, very big because no one can get financing, mm-hmm. right? So seller financing became huge. And so in Michigan, we do a lot of land contracts. 
which is basically, you know, seller financing, but you don't get the deed until after you pay it off. Yeah. So a way for me to find deals was I, I started working for a lot of guys who were like, hey, I know I can't flip this house for cash because there's no money for that, but I can sell to someone on a land contract. Mm -hmm. If you bring me a land contract buyer, I'll pay you, you know, 1500 bucks to $2,500, right? Mm -hmm. So basically I was their agent doing this for them, doing all these deals. I learned the in and outs of how to structure the deal, you know, how to market the deal, how to negotiate the deal, the terms and all that from being a broker on those deals, right? right? So about the year 2016, I just started doing it myself. You know, we yeah. just, I was doing a lot of it with them and I would just start doing it myself too. So you're in Florida now. So are you still doing it in Michigan or are you doing it in Florida? I'm in Florida now. Um, I virtual wholesale in Michigan and Pennsylvania and mm -hmm. parts of Florida and Indiana. Okay. So yeah, I'm still doing, I don't do, I don't do any deals in Miami. Like I live in Miami, <laughs> but honestly, 99.9% .9 of all my deals are not in Florida. Okay, so yeah. then where is the Alston Group? It's a brokerage in Florida. Okay, yes. so how does that work? <laughs> the Alston Group was my real estate brokerage in Florida. Mm -hmm. I, I do a few deals as far as like being a broker, right? Because I am a licensed broker. I'm licensed in Florida and I'm licensed in Michigan. Mm -hmm. So I do have, like I have an agent who does deals in the West, in like St. Pete, Clearwater, Tampa area that I broker for. You know, I do some stuff for another agent in Miami, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what the Alston Group does mostly. Is That's just my brokerage. My wholesaling is actually a different company. Yeah. It's a totally different company. So why even have a brokerage? I like, well, I like to be having a brokerage because I still can get commissions if I want to, right? Mm -hmm. When I go to a wholesale deal, I can either wholesale the deal, I can have someone list a deal for me, get a referral, mm -hmm. right? In any, any state of America, because yeah. I'm licensed, I can get a referral, right? right? I can have agents work underneath me who wholesale deals and get a, and get a commission or a marketing fee from that. Mm -hmm. And I still have a few agents who do deals on like the, the brokerage side that are underneath my brokerage, yeah. right? So I have the brokerage because I, I want to have the brokerage still. Like, I don't want to ever get my license up. You know, who knows what's going to happen? I, I believe the realtor is disappearing, right? Mm -hmm. the, the standard way that we, that we worked it is disappearing. If you work for a big brokerage, right, um, that whole model to me is not going to last. Right? Well, there's some, I mean, there was a major announcement to me this past week. I've been on the airplane for five days, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was that really from uh, Keller Williams? No, no, no. Um, uh, Realogy is partnering up with Amazon. So for the iBuyer program. Yeah. Well, not for iBuyer, but it's just it's just interesting what's going on. You know, all these different moves that feels like panicking versus yeah being proactive. But whatever. I mean, I think we're fine. I mean, if, yeah. if you're if you're a realtor or broker who wholesales, mm -hmm. you'll be fine. You're already going direct to the seller, right? Absolutely. That's that's the future. The future is direct to seller. The future is they're trying to cut out buyer's commissions being paid by the seller already, mm -hmm. right? Because when you think about it, I mean, I, I like that. I've, I've been a buyer's agent my whole life, you know, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. appreciate it. But mm -hmm. it also got to a point when I was selling a lot of these deals, the only way I got that deal was by giving a listing agent both sides. So I've been asking my buyers to pay my commission for years, yeah, right? Because if you find a good deal, the investors, you know, all they care about is the price, right? Well, that's what's great about wholesaling. It's, um, it's just like commercial real estate. You get what you can get exactly that's yeah. it yeah there's, there's no, no like six percent or five percent yeah. there's no like industry you know um industry trend or industry norm yeah right whatever you get you get yeah whatever you can yeah. command and when you're a realtor who deals with investors which is what i did only investors it's almost the same thing right i had investors come to me and say hey i'll pay you five grand if you bring me that deal first yeah because they knew i had all the deals and they, were, and they were buying them from other investors who got them from me so i was already <laughs> i was basically wholesaling without even knowing it you know right so you learn when you have a deal, you can charge whatever the numbers make sense. 
So let's walk through this. How do you talk to a homeowner about no money, zero interest? What's that okay. conversation with a homeowner? So I wholesale, right? All everything, every house that I buy or I wholesale, or whatever, starts with my wholesale marketing, right? So I'm I'm marketing the same way as any other wholesaler. I mm-hmm. do a lot of direct mail um, up north. I, w- I don't do any direct mail in Florida. It just doesn't work there, right? Marketing is market determined. The, yeah, very the market, market specific. The market determines it, right? Yep. Michigan, PA, my direct mail works amazing. Like it does. Um, Florida, not as much. It, and when, when I do do it, it's to a very, very niche list, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, let's say I do a direct mail campaign, I get a phone call back, <coughs> and the seller calls me. My first thought on every deal is, I'm gonna deal with like three different ways. I'm gonna wholesale it, I'm gonna buy it and keep it, right? And if I buy it and keep it, it's usually gonna be with seller financing terms. I yep. haven't gone to a bank for a loan and, you know, I use private money, but it's gonna usually be seller financing terms. Mm-hmm. Or I'm gonna buy it to either hotel it or very, very rarely fix and flip. I hate fix and flips. Like, yeah, I, I understand, <laughs> I'm the same way. <laughs> I hate them, but if the numbers are crazy, the same will do it that way. Mm-hmm. So let's say a seller comes to me and, uh, you know, we, I have my guy look at the house, because again, I'm in, I'm in Miami, so I'm not even looking at the house or anything. Um, I do a negotiating over the phone, but I never go to a house. My guy will go to the house, take pictures, come back, I'll see the pictures, you know, we'll kind of see what kind of price they, you know, I think it's worth. I'll call the seller back, right? When I call that seller back, I'm gonna always offer them a cash offer and a seller financing offer. All right, so let's take a step back. So you're, you're marketing, a lot of it's direct mail. They I'm doing call, direct mail, text message, RVMs. But they're they're contacting you. They call, or you, yes. you set the appointment or you, you do the call and you, you don't negotiate any, or you do negotiate on the My first, call. so my initial call, if, if, I, if I answer the phone, it's my call, or if I call mm-hmm. them back, my initial call, I'm doing the investigation. I'm trying to find out everything I can about that person, right, in the house. Mostly the person. Mm-hmm. When you when you do that call with a seller, I'm, I've been on call, my wife, I wish she was here, she's been on calls, it's been an hour long call, where they tell me everything going on in their life, and I just yeah. listen. You know, the key about a call is listen, right? So when that call comes in, I'm trying to figure out their motivation, and then before the call is over, a price. Like, what, what do they want, you know? Yep. Because I have, a, I'm in a lot of different market. I'm not going to send someone to a house usually if I know they're crazy, crazy off a number that makes sense for me, right? So that's what I'm doing on the first call. So you get the price, and then you send someone out. Then I send someone out to the house to take pictures. They don't do any negotiation. They're just out there to take pictures, look at the house, you know, get as many pictures as they can, you know, of all the main, you know, everything in the house that we need. Because if we get out on a contract, we market the house by those pictures or those videos. Right? right. Okay. So then you call them back. Then I call them back. Okay, and then let's walk through that, how that process looks. So let's say I call, you know, Steve called, we went to his house. I said, hey, Steve, how you doing? This is Jory, and I know my associate just went to your house. Um, I I got the pictures, you know, we kind of went over the repairs that may or may not need, you know. I'm pretty interested in the the house, you know, I just want to give you a call and kind of see, you know, where we're at on price and see if it makes sense for us, right? And then they'll probably say, hey, you know, well, I'm at 50 grand, you know. And I'd be like, ah, you know, 50 grand (laughs) doesn't work for me. I'm more like, you know, I can probably give you 25, 30 cash right now. And I see the reaction, right? Mm-hmm. I know cash, that cash number works for a wholesale deal all day long. Yeah. Right? So I'm trying to figure out if they, if they will take it. If they, if they do that, right, then we're good. Let's say they say, no, that doesn't work. You know, I, I'll do 40. Well, 40 is tight. It's tight for a wholesale deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say I check the wholesale box out, right? My next thing is, okay, I'll give, what if, I'll give you $40,000 cash, right? Um, have you ever thought about seller financing? You know what? Like, you're an investor. Most, most of the sellers I do this with are, are landlords who are tired of having tenants, mm-hmm. right? And that's what they tell me, I'm sick of having tenants. They don't say they're sick of having 
residual income per month. <laughs> They're tired of the tenant, <laughs> right? They right. like they like those checks per month yeah. if they could get them mm-hmm. without the hassle of a tenant. So what I do is say, you know, what if I can show you a way you can make, you know, a monthly amount per month without having to be a landlord? You know, I'll pay all the insurance, the taxes, I'll pay any repairs, the expenses, all of that, right? But you'll still get a monthly payment. You just want to deal with tenancy more. And usually, like, oh, I like that, you know, tell me how you do it. Mm-hmm. So then I'll give them a number, right? I won't say anything about an interest rate or anything. I'll just say, hey, I'll pay you this amount per month, you know, how's that sound? And if the number sounds good to them, right, then we'll get into negotiations, the contract, and send the contract over. But I'm giving them a number that I know over a certain amount of time is 0% interest at that price, right? right? I never mention interest rate or anything. Um, and so when they accept that number, basically it works out to me buying this house, right, with 0% interest. And it's usually about 10% down that mm-hmm. goes into the house, right? Um, but I'm not paying the interest on the property. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. So you just break it out over, let's say it's 40,000, and they want it over, what, 10 years, 20 years? 40,000. Yeah, I mean, let's say 40,000 over like 10 years. Mm-hmm. I divide that by 120 payments yeah. and get the price. Right. Right. And it makes sense to them because that number usually is more than they make as a landlord. Mm-hmm. Right, because when they get their, their rent minus all the expenses and insurance and all and those fees, they usually make less than what I'm offering them. Right, yeah. so that's where they're like, "Oh wow, this this makes sense. We'll do this." You know, um, yeah. I'm just my best list is non-owner occupant, high equity, you know, landlords. Right, usually, and I actually have a list that's you know empty nester list they talk about. Yep, I do empty nester non-owner occupant. These are people who bought a home like 30 years ago and they've mm-hmm. never sold that house. Yeah, so these are these are older landlords, right, who are probably retiring, who can't handle tenants anymore, right, but they still like that check per month. Are you finding that this is helpful in certain price points? I think the price point matters more for me because when I, so the second part of how I buy it with no money down, which Mm -hmm. we'll get to is I wrap and sell that house to another investor or another homeowner, right? So it's the price point I target for that investor is what makes sense, Mm -hmm. right? Usually I'm looking at like a, up north, I mean, I'm trying to sell those houses to them for 50, 60 grand with five, 6,000 down to mm-hmm. my other investor, Yeah, right? Because that's that's the sweet spot where you put 5,000 down, most people have that to put down in the house if they're trying to do this. Mm-hmm. Then their monthly payment is at a point two where you can still cash flow for them. Like 100 bucks, they're not gonna cash flow a lot, but they'll still be able to make break even on turning the house into a rental. Yeah. So that's the number I'm looking for, more for my end investor, you know? So your number is based purely off what you can move it for? Definitely. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. And then, I mean, if you want me to get into the second part of how I'm doing yeah, that with money down. So <clears throat> we'll do an example deal right now. I have a deal that we got for 20 grand. Um, so we got it for 20 grand, 10% down, which is two grand. It's $18,000. Mm-hmm. And we're doing over about four years. I think our payment's like three fifty a month. Don't, that's just an estimate. Yeah. I then, what I do then is I go find an investor who wants to buy a house on seller financing, right? A rental property. So that same as that property I'm selling for forty thousand dollars with four grand down mm-hmm. at ten percent interest over ten years, right? So I'm getting four grand for that investor. There's my two grand for the down mm-hmm. payment that I'm buying it for. Plus I yeah. made two grand, mm-hmm. right? And then they're making payments to me for a certain amount of time at a certain rate. And for the first three or four years, I'm probably cash flowing hundred bucks, yeah. if that. But when that house is paid off, I have six years of cash flow. And I'm into the house for no money down. So you're talking about when the house is paid off between you and the homeowner. Me and the homeowner. They well, still this have six years left to pay me. Yeah. So that six years is all ca- it's, it's all profit, right? The principal yeah. and interest payment is all profit because I owe no th- no, nothing to the seller I bought it from. 
besides my taxes and insurance. So it's looking really good in a few years. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's my goal right now. A lot of these are like, you know, I got them for two, three years that mm-hmm. I have to pay the seller, right? So, I mean, I might be breaking even, you know, but in two years when it's paid off, or I'll probably pay off more. I'll take four grand from this and put it down in that one. You know, in two years when they're all free and clear, and then all of my, you know, wraps, they're called wraps, I'm doing mm-hmm. a wrap, I'm selling a seller finance to somebody else, those are all positive cash flow. So let's just explain real quick for the listeners what a wrap is. Got it. So a wrap is when you buy something on seller financing, right? So I buy a house from Steve with terms, right? Those seller financing terms. I bought it from him for 20 grand with 2,000 down, right? I then go sell it to another buyer with seller financing terms to them, right? So I have a, I have a loan and I'm doing a wrap loan with another buyer, mm-hmm. right? That's pretty much what a wrap right, is. A second loan on top of the first loan. It's not a second loan, but it's like a second loan. Yeah, the there's a there's a loan between me and you, mm-hmm. and then we're wrapping another loan around that initial loan. Right. right? And the way that I do them, so in Michigan, it's, it's land contracts. And PA, they're called loan installment, installment loans, right? So there's not another, it's not a deed. So you're not recording a deed with them, right? But it's also not at least the option of rent to own. It's seller financing, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, I'm getting principal and interest, right? Right. But you're not recording a deed, so it's a little bit, you know, more. Right, it's a little bit more of an advanced topic. It's contract for deed. So, that, you know, for you guys listening, uh, the deed transfers after the loan is paid, off. Loan is paid off. Normally when you buy a house, the loan is there. You have the house, but it's subject to the loan. Correct. Correct. You're saying you don't get the loan. You don't get the title until after the loan's paid off. So is there a, you mentioned high equity, non-owner occupant, particularly mm-hmm. empty nesters. Is there a loan balance? Like, is it 100% equity? Is there? I usually do 70%. I do 70%, right? So 70% equity or more? Or more. And what I find out, because I mess with the filters, if I go up to 80%, it's like the same number, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that, when I do it, the list doesn't change that much, right? Yeah. So I do like 70% uh, equity loan. Okay. So loan to value, meaning, Let's say that guy got a loan for $100,000 10 years ago. They're going to owe less than 70% or more. Right. right? So 30, they'd owe 30000 or less <laughs> on, their, on their loan. So let's talk about, you know, uh, strategically, you know, uh, if someone wants to do this, uh, go after this, um, you know, buying houses with no interest, mm-hmm. what vehicle is working best for you? I guess, like, you're, you're, in, you're in Michigan, you're in Pennsylvania. I'm in Michigan, I'm in Pennsylvania, I'm in uh, Indiana, we're in Florida. Yeah. Go, go ahead. So what mode, like what media is working best for you? I mean, there's direct as mail. As far as marketing? Mm-hmm. Direct mail works best for me. Like, yeah. the, I know direct mail is kind of out. <laughs> it's out of style now. It's not popular right now. But this is my theory. Nobody's doing it, right? Absolutely. Nobody's doing it. So if I'm doing direct mail, still a lot, mm-hmm. right? And everybody else is cold calling and RVM and text message blasts, right? There's, I'm not, in 2015, there was like 20 postcards of the house. I would go to an appointment and everyone was doing direct mail, right? Mm-hmm. Now, everyone everyone that does direct mail always goes like, a guy called me today, he's like, man, we should partner. Every, every house I go to, I see your postcard there, right? You know, mm-hmm. And he's not even doing direct mail right now, but he sees my postcard there and they always show him, hey, well, I gotta talk to this guy too, he sent me a postcard, right? Yeah. And it's, it's also, it's also the type of, type of homeowner I'm, I'm, I'm reaching, right? Like older. I said, they're older. Right, they, they check their mail, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm sending out, if I'm trying to buy a house from a 25 year old, I'm not gonna send them direct mail, right? You hear something terrible? So I finally went through my mail in my house this past weekend. <laughs> Cause I think my wife has said it for like four straight weekends, like we need to go through the mail. That's, dude, my wife does that to me. I go like every 
twice a month. Oh, so you're twice a month. <laughs> I was opening mail from October. <laughs> well, see, my wife, my wife orders a lot from this site called Wish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which you know about Wish? They send you, they send you stuff. It's like a Chinese or something, like a Chinese Amazon. Mm-hmm. So she's always like, check, check the mail for my Wish package, right? Or I wouldn't go ever. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, for Olympic has a great question. Uh, how do you answer a seller uh, who asks if the buyer defaults? So, if the buyer stops paying, what are you telling the seller? The, the seller has no idea that I sold on the wrap. Mm-hmm. Okay, my agreement is with the seller. I bought the house from the seller on seller financing terms, which means I am the homeowner. I'm not rent. This is not rent to own. Mm-hmm. I own the house. That seller owns the note. They own the mortgage. Just like if you get a house from you know you get a mortgage from JB JB Morgan Chase, right? I can do whatever I want with the house. I can sell the house. I can flip the house. I can rent it out. I can sell it with seller mm-hmm. financing terms, right? Right. My responsibility is to the seller. I'm going to always make sure that seller has my payment on time every month, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the seller has no idea. Yeah. Now, that other buyer, right, they, they have to worry more about, am I going to pay the seller? Because that's they have more risk in it than I do. Gotcha. So let's say the other guy doesn't make a payment. What happens then? So the guy I sold it to? Yeah. If he doesn't pay it, I still make my payment to the seller. Right. Right. And then you start taking it over. Like, what's the consequence? How do you? Oh, so th- let's say he doesn't make payments and he's like behind. He's defaulting. So mm-hmm. you do on a, on a land contract or a, a loan installment. It's still, it's still a foreclosure process, right? It's not an eviction. So let's say they, they don't make a payment, we would file for eviction. It's faster than like a like in Michigan. It's, it's six months redemption period in Michigan. Mm-hmm. If you sell on, if you sell it without a land contract, on a land contract, it's ninety days redemption, redemption period. That's what it was. I think it still is. In yeah. Pennsylvania, there's no redemption period at all in Pennsylvania. So you can you can ev- you can foreclose on it after one missed payment. In Pennsylvania? There's no redemption period. One month. Yes. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, okay, so what does your organization look like today, you know, running the operation that you run? Got it. So I partner. I do a lot of partnerships. I'm in different markets and the way that it works is I partner with guys in Michigan. I partner with guys in PA, and we're, we're true partners, right? So let's say I, I partner with a guy in Michigan, we're 50-50. Usually how it works is I'm running all the back office stuff, all the systems, all the phones, all that. You know, they're they're usually financing, or we're you know, financing most of the marketing, or we split the marketing, mm-hmm. um, depending on who it is. And they're my acquisition manager in that area, my partner, right? Yeah. And then, so, so I'm doing a lot of the back office stuff. I have an acquisition manager. Um, I have a marketing director who handles all the marketing, also does this position as far as sending out the email blasts and stuff like that. Um, I have a lead, co- like a, someone who handles the lead coordination of all the, the lists and stuff like that. Yeah. And I mean, that's pretty much our, that's pretty much our operation, right? But yeah. I have this set up in different markets with different people. So someone calls in, let's say it's in Michigan or Pennsylvania, someone calls in on one of your mailers, mm-hmm. where does that go? The call goes to call rail, right? We have call rail. Mm-hmm. Um, either Either I will call, answer it or my partner will answer it usually. Okay. Right? So, so your answer, local partner? My local partner, yeah. That's right. usually how it works. We'll answer, we'll answer the call. After the call is answered, you know, we set the appointment up with my acquisition manager in that in that area. Um, well, let me take that back, though. I do have acquisition acquisition guy in both markets who's not a partner who would just pay a fee. Mm-hmm. But they don't do every appointment, right? They do some appointments, and my partner does some appointments, too. How does that work? <clears throat> Pretty much is by availability, right? Gotcha. So. Let's say my partner can't do it, then we'll call our acquisition, you know, rep, and they'll do it. And because we're in so much, so even in Michigan, I'm in like four different cities. So I have one in Kalamazoo. I have I have a guy, as far as like an acquisition rep, I have mm-hmm. one in Kalamazoo. I have one in Grand Rapids. I have one in Muskegon, because um, you know that's like a two-hour difference. Yeah. 
Um, in Pennsylvania, I have a guy that can do it in different parts of Pennsylvania. In Florida, we have a guy in Florida that does it. You know, that's a rep. If if one of the partners can't do it. Okay, and then um, so no one's cold calling. We do some cold calling, but I don't have like full time cold callers. No. Okay. No. Um, so we talked about the acquisition guys. Any disposition guys or just the same guy? Same guy, right? I, I mean, for, for example, we just did the deal in Kalamazoo that we're closing on Friday, right? We got this deal locked up. On uh, we, I got in the contract on the acquisition side a week ago, right? By the acquisition guy, mm-hmm. he sold it to one of his buyers on disposition side a week later, and mm-hmm. it's closing. Most of the guys who do acquisition can do disposition, right? Especially they're all realtors for the most part, most of them. Okay. So. I mean, they know how to do both, right? So instead of having acquisition and disposition and marketing and that, right? If my guys on the ground are my acquisition and disposition. My marketing guy does a lot of disposition too as far as anything online. Mm-hmm. He does all the disposition online. Like he fills calls. He fills, you know, Facebook marketplace messages. He fills emails, all that. Gotcha. Okay. And then I do a lot of disposition too. I mean, because honestly, a lot of my buyers in these markets, if I get a deal, I can call a guy up and sell it. In like an hour, you know. Yeah. So, my buyers this is huge, but it's my main ten to fifteen buyers that buy most of the stuff. Right. Uh, who's in charge of the KPIs in, in your operation? I do the KPIs. What are some of the I don't KPIs? do a lot of KPIs. <laughs> I'll tell you the truth. I don't. I do cost per deal. We do. Um, we do a cost per deal. We do average uh, assignment fee. Mm-hmm. Um, we do average. Average. Uh, Average assignment fee, cost per deal, um, number of leads per contract, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But we're not doing a ton, a ton of KPIs. You yeah, know? I'm just, you know, I really, I'm really, I'm not. <laughs> um, what percentage of your business is is wholesaling? What percentage of your business is um, seller carry, creative financing? I'd say. And how much of it is, is actual, like turning into a listing? One percent listing. Okay. Yeah. Zero, like I don't do listings hardly at all. Okay. Even when I get them, I give them to somebody else. Right. Th- that does them. Um, ah, oh man. The last few months, it's been about 50 50 as far as the stuff that I've been buying. Mm-hmm. We bought, I think, seven homes that we're holding um, that we bought with seller financing, and then we're selling them either with seller financing terms or holding them as rentals. Um, so probably 50 50 the last few months, but normally I'd say about 70 30. 70% um, 70% wholesaling, 30% as far as other things that we're doing. Okay. And what are your target? What What is your average assignment fee? About eight grand. Eight grand? Mm-hmm. Okay. About eight grand. I'm obsessed with multifamily right now. We're, we, <laughs> I, I, like, I negotiate multifamily deals every day, mm-hmm. even if I know I'm not going to buy it. Mm-hmm. So I know how to not negotiate. I, I um, an, analyze them. Mm-hmm. So I know how to analyze the numbers because I'm going heavy, heavy, heavy in multifamily. We'll talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I'm just you can't just wholesale right you you can't mm-hmm. and i know wholesaling is so huge right now right which is good yeah it's really hot and right people now. are learning it which is good right but i want i want people to understand you need to have more than wholesaling right the reason why i can do these sort of financing deals is because i have knowledge on stuff that require that you don't learn if all you do is wholesale right yeah. so i probably do double the deals with the normal wholesaler because i'm going to do sort of financing on some right i'm going to i'm going to buy and hold some i'm going to do you know a syndication for a multifamily purchase on some. If all you're doing is trying to do wholesale a deal for an assignment fee to a flipper, your market is very, very small. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I've been doing this since 2007. I know how the market goes up and down. I know how like stuff slows down. You know, my goal now is to have enough multifamily residual income, right, to cover basically what I need. 
I'm not gonna ever stop wholesaling because that's what funds everything else I do. Yeah. You know, but it's not I'm your just, exit. It's no, it's not. You know, and I can look at way more deals and, ha- and find a solution to that deal because I have other tools to use besides all I can do is wholesale this deal, right? If you're doing sort of financing. I take on deals that most like wholesalers wouldn't, wouldn't even touch, right? And you wouldn't touch with cash, but mm-hmm. because I can negotiate zero percent interest seller financing terms and make it cash flow, it makes sense for me. I take it down, right. you know. So yeah, I'm obsessed with multifamily. I mean, I, I'm looking at buying a three unit right now. Um, I just missed out on a six unit. I'm mad about. We're gonna make an offer on that. Yeah, you know. Um, so how are you finding these uh, multifamily? Through my wholesale marketing, the same exact, same exact strategies. You know, um, non-owner occupant. High equity lists, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these are, are older landlords who own. I, I do one thing where I target, you know, you get a list and you'll see this one company or person owns a ton of houses. Well, I, I make sure that I put that in a separate list and yeah. I'm a cold call that guy. Mm-hmm. I'm a direct mail that guy everywhere I can. I want to buy his, you know, his multifamilies, right? And I want to buy him in sort of financing terms because he's probably open to it. Yeah. You know, he probably is. I, I have a guy right now in Kalamazoo. We're negotiating. He has 10 properties we're negotiating on sort of financing terms about 10. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so deal flow, like how many deals are you guys doing a month wholesale and how much are you guys doing uh, creative financing? Uh, like in a normal month when we're like probably about eight total between mm-hmm. the two. Yeah. Probably like six wholesale, like, you know, two or three creative financing. Okay. So yeah. now this strategy that you're, we're talking about with creative financing, is really it's really attractive, right? Yes. Um, you know, <clears throat> like who, who could say no to 0% interest? On our side as buyer? Yeah. No, yeah. So <laughs> you can't. As far as, you know, with this strategy, how many properties are you got are you holding on to right now for your own personal portfolio with seller carry? Right now, personally, I think we have like there's like nine. Nine? Nine. And that's been all this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went the last May and June it was like I I probably every deal that we got and I offered that to them. They were open to it and the numbers were just too sweet for me to like wholesale it. Mm-hmm. You know? Like there was like, Well, I can get this house for 30k, 3,000 down, 0% interest, right, for four years. And then when it was all said and done, I negotiated down to like 18k, you know, yeah. at the end of it. It just makes sense to hold on to it, you know? Right. Like, if you just keep wholesaling everything away, <laughs> you have to live and hustle. It's, this is a job. Mm-hmm. This is a grind. Like, I love whole, I love the grind. I love, the, I love all about it. You know, I love the hustle of it. That's why I'm a hustler. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I do. I love doing it, right? But I get tired too. I've been doing it since 07, right? I want to create some residual income over here so, like, I can go over, you know, to Arizona for a week <laughs> and right. just, you know, know that I got those checks come in. So, you know, right now I'm, I'm more focused on holding than I am wholesaling. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, you know, I'm going to wholesale everything, especially if it's a single family deal. I'm going to probably either, you know, buy it with sort of financing terms and then sell it with a wrap with sort of financing. I don't want to hold single family homes. Yeah. It's just too many headaches, right? But if it's a multi-unit or more, I'm going to try to find a way to buy that and hold on to it. Gotcha. That's that's my mindset right now. Uh, Marcus has a question, and he wants to know what your shirt says. <laughs> this shirt says, "Most young kings get their head cut off." <laughs> Most young kings get their head cut off. This is a shirt from the Marathon Store. It's a Nipsey Hustle shirt, uh-huh. right? So, Nipsey's an inspiration for me. Um, I, I liked what he was doing. He was a young guy out there, you know, really out there. You know, buying real estate, investing in this neighborhood, you know, mm-hmm. and I bought this shirt from the marathon store. My gotcha. wife got it for me for my birthday. Oh. Thank you, Jackie. <laughs> uh, so to do what you're doing, uh, what's your monthly marketing expense? Marketing is about six, seven grand a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's in all the markets. 
It's not bad. No, it's for not. For all these different markets. I mean, the, we do our direct mail in-house. Okay. You know, so we're cutting our cost for direct mail down by a lot, right? We do mm-hmm. our direct mail in-house. And that's usually the high cost. I mean, you can do text and cold call. That's what we do. We run yeah. everything pretty lean through texting and, yeah, our, and, exactly. and, and cold calling. You know, because I'm doing direct mail in-house. But still, know, if you're doing direct mail, that sounds really low. It's impressive. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sending out 20,000 postcards, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, for last week... We sent out 3,000 postcards, right? Um, we probably got about 90 calls back. We probably did about 15 appointments. We, we know we have two deals already. We're negotiating mm-hmm. two more, right? So yeah. we might make 20 grand. And it costs it cost us 1,000 bucks to send out, you know, 3,000 postcards, right? Yeah. So I'm very, very targeted on it so that I'm not wasting a lot of money with direct mail. But no, I'm le- I like to be lean. I don't like to have a lot of overhead. You know, being a realtor for how long I was, I want to stay lean, the market. I, the market changes. You know what? I'm the same way. <laughs> they I get scared it. the heck out of me, man. I have, I have friends that call me, you know, basically a chicken for not spending more on marketing. But yeah. I spend a lot of money as a realtor. Yeah. I'm not trying to relive. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. and I've been through those lean, I've been through those droughts where it's yeah. like if you have a ton of overhead, not, not knock anybody who does it, you know, yeah. but like just me personally, you know, I don't need a lot. I'm a simple guy, right? I got yeah. a wife, five kids, you know, well, I coach football. Like I know what I need to live off of and that's, you know. I've had those months, you know, where my expenses are like, you know, 40, 50K a month and you make 20K. It's like, that's a lot of money, but it's less than 50. (laughs) (laughs) So you're taking a 30K loss for the month. Yeah, I like to stay lean. That's just the way that I've been, Um, you know, and it works. Uh, For Olympic wants to know, how do you find private lenders that will do seller financing? Man, that's easy. Honestly, that's like. Guys, the seller finance, so the note buying market, mm-hmm. right, is a lot bigger than people think. Oh, yeah, you right? and I were talking about this. We were uh, in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were talking to you. We were talking to some guys who were buying notes. It's yeah, yeah. Like, and it's very easy, right? Because let's say I go, to a, I go to Steve. He's a private lender, right? And I say, hey, Steve, I got this house for 50 grand. I'll give you 10% interest on your, on your money, right? 10% interest for, you know, three to four years, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then I show him what I'm doing with it, right? I'm selling it and sort of finding somebody else for 100 grand at 10%. You know, it's another investor, da da da. First of all, I'm buying the house under value, right? So a private lender, if you were to default, they want to look at that asset. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all they care about is the asset, right? What is the asset worth, right? Well, as long as the asset's under value, you can show that, right? And they know that you can make the payments, they're usually going to be fine with it, right? And if they right. know that your, exit, that your exit strategy is solid, they'll be fine with it. Right, so that's the easy way um, to do it is, uh, you know, with notes, private lenders understand notes. That's what they do. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's, that's what they're doing. Yeah. So when you come in with a note and you're not trying to fix and flip, which is risky or this or that, I think they're more open to that than they are other kind of vehicles. So let's say you got some notes, right? You got this property and it's 10% interest because you sold to someone else at 10%. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is the aftermarket look like for notes? That's a whole nother world I don't understand. Whole nother world, yep. Well, let me tell you something I do. Another vehicle that we do that's pretty powerful. We actually wholesale notes, mm-hmm. right? So when I find, let's say I find a house for 20 grand, right? And then I locked it up for 20 grand as a wholesaler, right? Then I sold it with seller financing for 50 grand to an end buyer seller financing, mm-hmm. right? So let's say that end buyer is going to pay 50 grand with 5,000 down. So their loan balance is $45,000. I go find a note buyer who wants to buy that note at a discount, usually for 85 to 90%. Mm-hmm. And I'll sell that $45,000 note to a note buyer for, let's say, 35 grand. Yeah. Right? What I do, though, is my note buyer is going to pay 35 grand 
on the first transaction, on my transaction as a wholesaler. So I'm going to make from 20, 35, 15 grand from that. And mm -hmm. then he's going to sell it to the note buyer right away, right? For the 45 for that note. And I make the down payment on that, which was five grand. Yeah. So I never bought the house at all. All I did was I found a distressed, a distressed asset, tied up for 20 grand. Mm -hmm. I found an end buyer who would buy it with seller financing for 50 grand. And I created a note. You, like that's, you have to know how to create a note to, to be able to play in this lane. I created a note. Then I sold that note to a note buyer. Yeah, and I made it. I made money on the wholesale to note buyer transaction and on the down payment of the note of the note buyer transaction, right? Um, so that's one thing we do. Um, so what was your question again? Go back to it. Well, I was just asking in general, like in the note buyer world, like how does even one even get started in the note finding buying? note buyers? Yeah, being a note buyer, finding being finding a note buyer. To to become a note buyer is easy. There's 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 many. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out the best way because. You just find guys. When you start doing it, you just find guys who buy notes. Yeah. That's, I mean, I mean pretty much <laughs> when you're doing it, like yeah. they just they just come to you, right? If, if you put something on the universe, it's going to come to you, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't realize that that many people do it until you start, you do your first deal, right? Or you do your second deal. Now, you can go online and find lots of companies who buy notes. Mm -hmm. There's big time companies who buy notes, you know, in bulk or they'll buy them single all the time, all the time. But in your local market, you know, find investors you know, go to your REI meetings or whatever and find investors and ask them if they want to hold a note, right? Because lots of them do. Um, the other way to do is, is contact these IRA companies, like Quest IRA, these companies. Mm -hmm. Most people who invest their IRAs in real estate, a lot of them invested into notes, yeah. right? So most of my note buyers that we sold houses to in Michigan, a lot of them were from out of state. If you're an out of state investor, you want to own real estate, you'd rather own the note than own the property. Because right. if you own Still the headache. note, there's no heading, right? So yep. if you own the note, you have a servicer who pays you your money per month. You pay them probably 10% fee, right? But your principal and interest you get, you know what it is, you know what your numbers are, right? So a lot of the people who invest their IRAs, they invest it into notes. Gotcha. Uh, Evander Livingston wants to know, what's something you learn in real estate that, uh, as a mistake that you'll never make again? Hold on to uh, properties. <laughs> the reason why I'm obsessed <laughs> with holding on to properties because Every day I go on MLS and see a property I, that I owned for ten grand in two thousand and nine that we sold mm -hmm. that's being sold for one hundred and ten now. Yeah, and I'm just like Jackie. These, oh my goodness. So, but you needed to eat back then. I did need to eat, but I also could have held on to a lot more. Yeah. Right? like I did need to eat, but I was making enough money. I was making enough fast money in commissions where I could have bought more and held on to more. Right? I didn't know though. I was young, and like everyone was afraid. Right? Mm -hmm. Besides the guys who are, of course, the market makers. But everyone was afraid. Right now. You know, hold on to it. Like, don't wholesale every deal. Like, don't don't give up the bag quickly, right? Mm -hmm. The long money is way more beneficial than the short money, right? Like, the reason why I do seller financing, I might make ten grand on a wholesale deal, but over ten years of that seller financing deal, I may make, I'll probably make like eighty thousand yeah. dollars, right? So, you know, hold on to properties, create residual income. That's my my. I, I gave away too many properties when I was younger. Yeah, you know. Um during the last recession, you know, my wife says we we screwed up and not buying more properties. Yeah, and I told her, you don't understand. We were broke. We <laughs> <laughs> couldn't buy any more properties. <laughs> you were married to a realtor. We weren't buying any more properties. We uh, got broke in the middle. If I would have bought more at the beginning of the crash when I was making a lot of money, yeah, right, and I had those, you know, cash flowing and held on to them, I would have been fine. You know, yeah. what happened was. Nobody knew what was going to happen. Like, 2011 hit, and it was like nothing. Like I said, 2011, like 13, 14, there was like nothing moving. Mm -hmm. And as a realtor, we're like, what do we do? You know? And I'm right. like, I was like 32, like, you know, 32, 33, 33 years old. Never saw a market cycle before, right? Like, now mm -hmm. I, I've seen, I've been there at the top of it, the bottom of it, 
right here. Probably, you know, I mean, I, I think we're about to tip over again soon, someday. You know, well, I'm ready for it. I'm, dude, I'm waiting. Um, <laughs> so I know you said this earlier, but I'll ask it again. Winning assist wants to know where in Pennsylvania, PA area? Uh, Central PA, so pretty much from Harrisburg east to Philadelphia. Okay, and um, then um, right now we're going to be in Pittsburgh soon too. I'm from one thing that where I'm at because people always ask me where's the best place to virtual wholesale, right? And I say it's up to you. I'm from Pennsylvania. I'm from Pittsburgh and Harrisburg. I, mm -hmm. I lived in Pittsburgh and Harrisburg. I have connections there that make it easy for me. I'm I'm a realtor in Michigan. I was in Michigan from 2005 to 16, right? I live in, I live in Florida. So like, of course, there's other markets where I'm not at, but for me, it's like what is easiest for me to have people on the ground that I can trust, and yeah. that's where I wholesale at. Gotcha. Makes sense. Um, so are the oh we didn't even talk about total monthly overhead. My total monthly overhead is very, very lean because most of it's marketing, and then I have my systems, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, probably like nine, ten, nine, nine thousand dollars. Probably That's not bad. No. Yeah. Um, any other CRM tools or, or or systems that you can live without? CallRail, CallRail saves me because CallRail records all my calls. It, uh, um, CallRail because I, I move a lot, so me negotiating with sellers and stuff, I'm able to go back to CallRail. Um, I use. Well, I don't use Deal Machine, but I have people that use Deal Machine. I don't do much drive. I do drive for dollars, but most of my stuff is, you know, from other people doing that. So, mm -hmm. um, call rail. What else are we using right now? I use Rebo Gateway for list. Really? Yeah. And I I didn't have Rebo Gateway for like a month, and I was uh -huh. trying some of the stuff out, and I was like, I was going crazy. Like to really? me, Rebo Gateway, I can go on there and filter whatever list I want whenever I want, right? Mm -hmm. And so. If I'm going to a new market, I can go on there and pull a list right now, get the list off, and then send it to batch skip trace. I use them too for skip tracing, so I couldn't live without them either. Mm -hmm. What up, Jesse? I'm supposed to go see him later on today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, probably call Rebel Gateway. You know, CRM is a CRM. I need a CRM, but whichever one you use, you know, yeah. use it. Uh, what is your why? My wife, my five kids, my mother, my aunts, my uncles. I was, you know, I had a big, big support system growing up, you know. Again, my mom raised me, my brother. She's a single family, you know, single mom. But I lived in a house at times where it was like me, my brother, my mom, an aunt, another aunt, an uncle, a grandfather, right? So, like, mm -hmm. you know, that family, it took a village. I grew up I grew up in a time where it took a village, you know. Yeah. I actually had a village that, that raised me, you know. And so everything I'm doing now is for, you know, them, you know, for my wife and my kids, you know, for legacy. You know, I want to. I want to be able to leave a legacy, you know, generational wealth for my yeah. family. I want, I want my kids, and my kids are in my business, you know, like my daughter does stuff, my, you know, my son has done, he's, he's scrub list for me, <laughs> you know, yeah. we, we've gotten a water list, he's going to find the owners so that he can put into a Google sheet for us, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I want them to, you know, be able to do what I'm doing, not, not just what I'm doing, but at least have real estate that they invest in or that they own and pass it on and keep passing it on, yeah. so, you know, that's definitely my why. Well, you're not wrong when you said earlier that you saw a lot in Chris Rude's interview yesterday. A I, lot no, of I watched. I mean, I'm on the plane, so people don't understand. Listen, it took me like three days to get here. <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to be here last night. Like I've had, I've been on five planes. I just got. I, wow. I landed in Tempe. I landed in Phoenix at 1:30. One, no, 1:15. Yeah. I was supposed to get a haircut last night for my cousin. He lives here. I couldn't get a haircut. The, the hotel had no water. <laughs> couldn't take a shower. Just came here. But I watched his interview on the plane. I downloaded I'm like, Jackie, this guy sounds just like us, right? Yeah. Five kids. Like, we homeschool our one daughter right now. 
we talk about homeschooling all our kids, right? Just because okay. we want to travel. I can do this from wherever I, I want to do it from, right? Virtual virtual wholesaling, and then if you own a multi-family, you can do it from wherever you want. Yep. You know, so I can homeschool kids, travel here, work there for two weeks. So I, when I watched it, I was like, man, this guy sounds a lot like, you know, like us. It was just, <laughs> it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what's your biggest struggle right now? My biggest struggle, it was, it was trying to figure out, do I want to get big or stay where I'm at, right? Because mm -hmm. you know, you always just scale, 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 scale. Do you know? Do I want to? I know I could. Do I want to be the guy that like has a ton of VAs, a ton of this, a ton of that, doing 20, 30 deals a month, or am I happy doing what I'm doing right now? So I was kind of going back and forth with that, and uh, I'm happy with what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm happy with my, you know, my, my lifestyle, right? Yeah. I coach high school football, right? So that I'm very active in that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm active with my kids. I see my kids every day. You know, like I work a lot. But, I, but, like, I work a lot, but I'm with my wife all the time, you know? Yeah. Like, she, she works with me. You know, we do stuff. We go to the beach. I work at the beach for a day, and she's with me, right? <laughs> so it's like I'm always working, but I'm always also with my family, you know? Yeah. So that was my struggle. Do I want to grow, 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 or do I want to, like, you know, stay where I'm at? And I, and I like where I'm at, you know? I like doing 8 to 10 deals a month, you know, low overhead, you know, spending time with the family. Yeah. You know, that, it works for me. I appreciate that because that's something that Max and I – uh, we talk about, um, you know, we're talking about if we can get 10 deals a month. We're good. Right? Like, yeah. if we're making, between the two of us, 150K a month, like, what more <laughs> do we really need? You're good. I mean, you're good. And, and you know, some guys want to do 50 deals a month, mm -hmm. right? And that's great, you know? Right. That's but great. That's a checkbox. But, yes. And there's a lot of overhead in that, right? Yeah. And I tell people all the time, like, there's nothing wrong with doing three, four deals a month, right? Because it's all about what's your expenses per month right mm -hmm. like what is your lifestyle per month what is this that's what matters more it's not oh i do this many deals per month right because some of these guys you know might do all those deals but their overhead's crazy you know yeah you got to find out what you what what is your number that you need to live off of that makes you happy and then go out and get that absolutely couldn't agree more what's your superpower man today i realize this like it's it's my i have a positive mindset right like extremely positive mindset to the fact that my wife gets mad at me sometimes she's like George just be angry about something right <laughs> I refuse <laughs> when you realize you got one life literally one life right and it mm -hmm. can be gone whenever when you realize that I won't let nothing make me angry right there's nothing that you can do you know probably the only person working make me angry is my wife <laughs> you know but like when you realize you have one life you can't waste a second of it with negative thoughts you know with anger with anything so because my mindset's so positive right it allows me to solve these problems situations that others might not because when you're negative it's emotion right you yeah. can't you can't think critically right no, so you can't think clearly exactly right so i mean today i was supposed to be in, in arizona last night at 10 30 i got here at one o'clock you know but i had to figure out ways to get here because they told me multiple times you're not gonna get to 5 p.m right mm -hmm. so emotionally i could have been mad like uh, no me i'm like okay we'll get there i always say we'll get there <laughs> i always say we'll get there and we got here you know um you know, those deals that I do where it's like, this is not going to get done. It's going to get done. We'll mm -hmm. figure it out. It might get done a month later, you know, but it's going to get done. I've been through like you. I've been through the storm where it's like, dude, we had no money. You know, so as a realtor, I had no money. As an investor, I had no money. I could sit there and get emotional and stuff. No, I'm going to figure out a way to get the money to do what I got to do, you know. Right. So the positive mindset allows me to use my skills, right? Because I saw Chris, you talk about skills, which mm -hmm. I agree with. But a lot of people have skills that they don't use because their mindset doesn't allow them to use it, right? If, you, if you're negative thinking, if you're emotional, if you can't think clearly, you can't use those skills you have. When you're positive and you think clearly, you can then figure out what skill works best, you know? Okay, I can't wholesale that deal, but I can do sort of financing. Right. right? And then 
that also allows me that sellers, I feel like sellers love me. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I talk to sellers and they love me. You know, I close deals over the phone, usually on the first phone call, you know, just off, off of the phone call that we have over the phone call because mm -hmm. I'm so positive. I've had people say, you know, you just always smile. I just, you know, people want to be around you when you're happy. You know, Absolutely. they don't want to be around negative people. So in this business, you know, being happy and being positive has allowed me to go a long way because as a realtor or an investor, or whatever, it's all about people. This is a people business. 100%. And it's funny you talk about, you know, smile a lot. Because, like, I've had people it's like, you smile too much. Like, I don't see the problem <laughs> with this. <laughs> I get it all the time. I'm like, why should I be, why should I be angry? You know, like, you get one life, man. I'm going to be as happy as I can be. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And I'm going to achieve all I want to achieve in this life. Because when it's over, it's over. Absolutely. You know? Uh, Sierra Classic wants to know if you're mentoring. Oh, man. I get that. <laughs> I'm not mentoring. Um, if you guys don't know, I have a podcast with my host, Kevin. Um, it's called Shut Up and Invest. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes. We're also on YouTube. Shut up and invest. Go uh, subscribe. Like Steve said, subscribe to us You know, today. Mm -hmm. We will be doing some courses from that that we do. Mm -hmm. um, mentoring takes a lot of time. Yeah. It does, right? For me to do it successfully, it's almost like you have to become a mentor, right? I'd have to scale everything and become a mentor, right? And I can't honestly do that and say I'm a mentor, right? I do talk to people. I mean... And the Matthew twins told me not to do this. They told me, Jory. They didn't say not to do it. They said, if you, if you offer your help, you're going to get blown up. Because I guess their Instagram has been blown up since they, since they left last yeah, yeah, week, yeah. right? Reach out to me. I will, I will answer. I'll talk to you. I'll help you out. You know, um, I don't mentor, no. I, we'll have some stuff that you can get from us as far as courses and seller financing. We'll do a lot of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Because our whole thing now is be, you know, be your own bank. You know, I want wholesalers to also own properties. Because when times change and markets do shift, right? I think I'll be fine. I can wholesale. I can sell houses in any market, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to have skills. I had to learn how to do sort of financing deals when there was no credit, right? So, yeah, yeah. you know, find um, us there. Well, I think you and I have the advantage that we both went through the crap. We did. So we, we know, know what's coming. Yeah, you know, uh, like we know what should be coming. I don't know. It just keeps getting pushed on, but it should be coming soon, and we know how to deal with it. Supposedly, <laughs> uh, Kamoni Simon wants to know: Is there any material that you read? to help maintain your positive mindset? I have a routine. I wake up at five, I try to wake up at like 4.30 every morning. When I wake up, as soon as I wake up, I put my phone on, my headphones in my ear, and I play a motivational video on YouTube, right? So when I'm in the bathroom doing whatever, there's motivation going on. I then go run, and I'm listening to motivational still, right? I'm listening to like T.D. Jakes, Eric, you know, people who just speak motivation in your life, right? So I do that in the morning. You know, your morning is what controls your day, right? I don't get up and look at an email, take a phone call, nothing for like the first two hours of my day, two or three hours of my day. I get up at 5 a.m. because I have five kids, and if I get up when they get up, my whole day will be shot. Because as soon over. as they get up, they want something, right? So yeah. I need that first two hours of my day, you know, prayer, you know, meditation, read, exercise, right? And then I do creative things in my business, right? Because the thing is, your mind is most creative when you first wake up, mm -hmm. right? So um, as far as motivational books, you know, I read a ton of books. I read, you know, I read motivational books, business books, history books. You know, I get motivated by history. I love history, so I like to read history a lot. Um, but just, you know, there's so much motivational stuff out there right now, especially on YouTube. You know, yeah. go in there and just put in motivational videos and listen to it every day. The first thing you do every day, you know, and I, and I guarantee it will start changing your mind. All right. Uh, Evander is saying Eric Thomas is a man. So yeah, listen to Eric Thomas every day. So I want to get the hip hop preacher on the show. That'd be awesome, man. That would be awesome. Uh, That'd be awesome. Uh, Tyrone Waller wants to know what books you're currently reading. Right now I'm reading Traction. Um, Not for the first time. 
No. Okay, I mean, good. No. I just finished the one thing. Um, I'm reading a book called The Next Great American City, right? It's a book. I've been reading that for the last few weeks. And the reason I'm reading that book is talking about the rise of, like, small cities in America. Like, it's written by the, the governor of Oklahoma, uh, no, the mayor of Oklahoma City. And it's telling you what these cities did to become what they are now, right? Mm. And I'm reading that book because when I got into real estate, I was living in Michigan, in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, somewhere by Canada, that no one knows, Marquette, Michigan. And I read a book, and the book told me about Grand Rapids. When I moved to Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids wasn't known. Now it's Grand Rapids, if you look at any list as far as real estate market, it's, it's like number one or two on every list there is. But I was reading a, like a history book about like government and stuff, and it said these cities are gonna be the next real estate markets. They're gonna thrive. And I moved to Grand Rapids off that book. So I'm reading this book right now because it's kind of showing you the small cities and what their governments are doing that's gonna propel them in the next 10 years. So that's kind of my market research of where I wanna invest that. Interesting. Um, and I'm also reading, uh, I just finished a book, what was that book? I read so many books. What was that book? Um, I figured it was a history book. I figured the name of it, but. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to let you think about what you want to have for your last thought. Um, and so, guys, um, I'm still getting a lot of requests for uh, our workshop. So Max and I are doing another one in September. If you want to see if you qualify to come to our workshop in Phoenix, please go to disruptors.com. And then next week, we got Jamie Burleson Woolley coming in from Dallas. Um, and she's going to be on the show. And on top of that, she's going to be uh, the main headliner at our uh, monthly meetup at Dave & Buster's on August 1st, 4.30 in Tempe. So uh, definitely check that out. Um, what last messages you want to leave with our listeners? Again, I, I know I've been, I keep saying it, you know, um, I want people to learn how to be their own bank, right? I'm so, when I, went, I met Steve in Dallas at Max mm -hmm. Maxwell's event, right? It was an awesome event, right? And I was so, to me it was so awesome because as a young black guy that got in real estate, when I got in real estate, there was nobody in real estate. I would go to these realtor events, investor events, I'd be the only one there, right? And I was, used to be mad about it. I was trying to tell people, like, buy real I told people to buy real estate during the crash mm -hmm. all over the place. And yeah. No one would do it, right? And now we see a lot of old gentrification. People are mad. It's like, no, we could have bought those homes. Like, you could have bought that house for a thousand bucks that you're mad about now, but you didn't, you didn't value where you lived at. You didn't value the neighborhood. Somebody else valued it now, you know, and I'm talking about inner city neighborhoods, you know, we mm -hmm. won't get mad. You know, I love that we wholesale. I, I wholesale. We have to wholesale. It's an easy way to get in. But we have to also own some of the properties in that neighborhood, right? And then when you learn to become the bank, I had someone ask me and say, you know, well, wholesaling creates gentrification. I said, no, it doesn't. I said, 90% of the sellers that, I, that I'm buying stuff from, right, are usually out-of-state people who this house is just sitting there becoming a sore to the community. And then I'm buying it and I'm reselling it to a local investor, right, who's going to fix it up and rent it out. Or a local homeowner, right? I, we're providing homeowners, right, in cities who can't go to a bank and get a loan, right? Yeah. But we're using our skills to negotiate a way to buy that house for cheap and then sell it to them on sort of financing terms so that they can own that home, right? We have to learn all the skills that you can, right, so we can actually own the stuff in our communities, right? Yeah. So wholesale, but I take my wholesale profits and I buy properties that, that I can own, right? Learn how to do more things than just wholesale, right? First of all, for yourself, because you just can't wholesale for it, believe me, stuff changes. But also so that the neighbors were wholesaling in, you know, then you can own houses. You can sell houses to that person. They can own houses. And then we can bring everybody up together. Yeah, I love that. It's a powerful message. Someone wants to get a hold of you. How do they do that? You can find me on uh, Instagram at the Alston Group. 
the word the Alston, my last name group. Um, again, shutupinvest.com, right? Go to our website. You can reach out to us there. We have a Facebook group, Shut Up and Invest, and I'm also on Facebook at Jory Austin. Yeah, awesome. Great show. Thank you. Appreciate it, Steve. Thanks, Thank man. you guys for watching.